everybody. Welcome to the PC Perspective Podcast. This is episode 564 being recorded on November 13, I think, 2019. I'm Sebastian Peak. I'm Jeremy Hellstrom. I'm Josh Walrath. I'm Brett Van Spruenberg. Yes, Brett makes his triumphant or triumphal return to the podcast. He's our everything behind the scenes. He's our web developer and general person explainer of why did this happen interface yeah you're welcome. Yeah, i literally multiple times a day i'm like at brett in our chat like uh why am i seeing this what is this what are these weird symbols in my url what are you hitting the keys code? stop hitting the keys so hard that's part of it right there i i'm a heavy-handed typist yeah it yeah, happens i could tell i mean, I mean I you had wait for screens to refresh and it's like prompting me and so i don't know who has actually Today's, I think you somehow managed to trigger some, uh, some like escape codes or some, you know, control codes into the, into some title someplace. I'm like, Hey, what is this octal stuff? Yeah. <laughs> literally. It, literally. I just, just I typed in a permalink. And it my special code. <laughs> what are you trying to do I to people? I that the site? code in front of my article for a reason. Damn it. <laughs> Jim is literally falling over right now. I can yeah. tell by He's the happy. silence. All right. Um, well, let's silence. get started. Uh, I won't go through the, whole, the usual preamble. Uh, if you found this podcast, you probably know where you got it from. And are but, immediately sorry. <laughs> yes. Sorry about that. You should get checked. I, I make no apology. Let's get, <laughs> let's get into the top stories. We have a few things here. Now, we didn't have a podcast last week, in case you weren't aware. And so we didn't get to talk. I think this had already been discussed at that point november 7 at 9 a.m i think this news went up amd had their official press releases they had multiple press releases go out one of them for third gen threadripper one of them for uh desktops they did a ryzen threadripper and actually an athlon announcement they sneaked that in there but november 25 is the big date to remember it's on twitch last week i think i called it um multi-core mayhem Something like that. Massive multi-core mayhem. Because they're releasing a total of 74 cores. Actually, 72 cores on the 25th. 74 if you count the little Athlon dual-core thing. But this is a... You know, we already knew about these products. This is just them making it official in advance. Letting us know what pricing is going to be. I don't know if they'd actually released pricing yet. So just to run down. Threadripper 3960X will be their 24-core part or $1,399. And then Threadripper 3970X will be the 32-core 64-thread successor to the 2990WX, and that will be $1,999. $1,999. So not quite hey, $2,000. Can, 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 I, can I say something here? Yes, you can say no, many things. Go, go back to that, uh, that thing. So my first real computer that i bought on my own was a quantex pentium 133 and it had 16 megs of memory the mm-hmm. same amount of l2 cache as the 3970x <laughs> i did no, not I bet get that... 128 megs of memory until 1999 was it epo system. ram was it EPO? No, 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 no. It was SD RAM with the uh, it was SD with RAM the, uh, with the with the 128, but with the 16. Uh, no, it was EDO. No, wait, 
Yeah, Might EDO. have been, but I don't know. Yeah, no, it's EDO. Uh, but I didn't get 64 gigs of SD RAM, uh, 64 megs. Yeah, 64 RAM, gigs? Tell the K6-2? K6. K6. And the TX chipset was one of the first SD RAM chipsets around. And then VIA had theirs. And, uh, and SIS well. had, not to mention ALI. But yeah, and, yeah no, it was... And look at the L3 cache on these. 128 megs. We were talking about that the other day in the chat. 128 megs is how much my first computer had because I bought... The first computer I actually bought with my own money was a Windows XP machine right at the start of that. So like December of 2001, I ordered it. 128 megs of uh, PC100 memory in that thing. And there's 128 megs of L3 cache on this. Memory support, four channels, DDR4, 3200, yeah. 280 watt TDP. These... I don't know. What do you think? Pricing on these? Because we've seen Threadripper drop and drop. And we've, I've gotten used to seeing, obviously, the, the discounted prices on first and second gen Threadripper at this point. But I'd say Intel-like. Yeah. They're, but then again, the you're talking there. about... Well, they're, it's higher core counts than most of the Xeons that we've been seeing in previous generations. And to be honest, some of the stuff that's going to match this is significantly more expensive from Intel. And what? the other thing, it, requ- it requires another motherboard. You cannot just reuse yes. your Threadripper That's motherboard right. from your previous. Yeah. You have to get a TRX-40 platform board, and the rumors are those are going to be very expensive. There was a mm-hmm. lot of rumors that X570 was going to be like $600, and of course, there are cheaper boards, but you're looking for something to reliably power one of these things. Probably going to spend a little bit Here more. goes the package. Okay, so Threadripper, we can talk more about that, but also they've made 3950X official as far as its release date, also going to be the 25th, so those theoretically will be available at retail on the 25th. This has been pushed I'm back. I'm sure they will. It's just volume that we question. Right. Oh, I mean, man. okay, when I say theoretically, I mean it might be available for the first five minutes, and then it will sell out, <laughs> and it will be gone for a month. Uh, supply is tight, apparently. That'll be the phrase. I think you're going to be surprised that some outlets probably won't even have launch day reviews of this because apparently they don't have very many to send out. At least that's the feeling that I'm getting. So we will, we will see about that. Then there's a little Athlon. I thought the 3000G was already announced. Maybe not, but that's launching on November 19. That's a little dual core four thread part with graphics for 49 bucks yeah so it's cheap it's brilliant isn't it yeah <laughs> good play good play on their part but hey i mean i i'm just i'm still trying to wrap my head around two thousand dollars for a 32 core part when you know i think there were people who were probably hoping when the third gen threadripper came out they would see that 64th core part or at least 48 or something higher if you if you already have a a 2990wx and that board and all the everything's running great are you seriously going to move like to a two thousand dollar processor on a new platform it, i think it's going to take somebody who actually really can 
you know, it only it almost seems like it's it's a placeholder because you know they're they're trying to push as much product at the, the this high performance level into Epic where the margins are really high, and they're trying to grow that, and they're trying to provide these buyers and OEMs with as much product as possible. But at the same time, they want to kind of retain their, their image at the workstation level. Um, and that's a, you know, it's pretty high end, you know, workstation if, if you can find one, but yeah, it's, it's, um, it's an interesting move by AMD because we've got to wonder, you know, what kind of constraints are you under? You know, how much seven nanometer stuff is actually being produced and, and shipped. And so far, we haven't seen an explosion uh, in the quarterly uh, results that AMD has shown. I mean, they've they've improved pretty dramatically, but it's not it's not like, you know, world beating. Hey, we we've done some incredibly massive things that, you know, was not expected. It, it was, you know, it was expected stuff. It's what 1.8 billion this last quarter, which is an excellent quarter for AMD. But then compare that to Intel, which has, you know, do you think that's partly a supply problem? There? Though, you mean like if they could have sold more, obviously. if they had more to sell, would it yeah. be actually been an explosion? Could have, and they could have had more SKUs, and they could have True. had the 3950X sooner, but. They didn't, and so that's that's you know it's it's, it's a multi level type thing. Is 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 bins where you're putting those things that that bin high enough that they can be in in multi chip packages, not just two, but you know four and eight. And you know where do you make your most money at? And that's why you know in the past four months, thirty nine hundred X has been really hard to come by until now which you know and now it's approaching msrp in most sites and we're getting to the 3950 stage at the end of this month and it's just you know i think it's a juggling act i mean they're trying to get as much product out and and achieve the highest margins possible while still retaining some leadership position in in each of the categories desktop workstation and then server but really their primary focus is on 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 what well, we need to get these server things. Second is is desktop, and you know third I think is is going to be this high end workstation that you know while profitable is is not huge. I mean there there have been some products from AMD that have sold very very well from the high end enthusiasts, but it's not a a common part. I mean I've seen a couple in person. And one, I no two, I I built myself for for the group that we're doing that we do high end statistics that we're you know we need those kind of cores. I feel like the thirty nine, like the thirty nine hundred X and the thirty nine fifty X. These are far more compelling parts to me anyway than Threadripper, especially at these prices. I would, I feel like especially the sixteen core part, if that has any kind of widespread availability, because I I I only fear that it won't. I'm not. I'm not guessing that it won't. I'm not, I haven't heard anything. I just feel that as long as it took for us to be able to consistently find the 3900X in stock, it might 
be difficult to buy that 16 core part because there were people who were holding out for that one. And, but I mean, to be able to buy for 750 bucks, a 16 core 32 thread processor that hits those clock speeds and it will literally run on three different generations of motherboard. So if mm -hmm. you already have a 300 series board that's got solid power delivery, if you have a 400 series board or a new X570 board, you're going to be able to run this thing and you don't have to spend any extra money on memory or anything else. So to me, that's just, it, it kind of reduced the importance of Threadripper to me just for a home workstation. Now, obviously, if you're after as many cores as possible, you still have to go Threadripper. But at that point, how much uh, better will the new 3960 and 3970X be than like the 2990WX, especially if that one drops in price and you can get cheaper boards? So I will be very curious to test these head to head. Now, Jeremy, you're on Threadripper, right? But you're on first gen. Yeah, I'm on first gen. So in, in a way, it's almost a compelling upgrade, except for the motherboard issue. Hmm. Because it is, it is a jump up. Uh, not Well, even in boost frequency, it's a jump up. Uh, core counts, absolutely. But I, I'm looking at this and I'm saying, you know, I understand why you don't want to sell to me because you could be selling an Epic processor for significantly better profit. So right. why? Right. I, I, I'd love you to do it, but honestly, it may, for them, it makes more sense on the limited capacity they've got to just go crazy uh ensuring that they've got epics to sell to people that are interested in them that said if i had you know all the money in the world i'd be gone this you know in a second right yeah i mean money no object obviously you go after the absolute best performance i don't think we'll have to look at what intel has and see like dollar for dollar what their processors can do but i mean it it has been a huge advantage for amd obviously the first two generations of Threadripper at this point and just blowing Intel out of the water as far as cores, core counts, and overall performance for multi-threaded applications for your money. So we'll see if those those price cuts we, we saw earlier this year announced. Yeah. Uh, oh, well, the really rumors are that... Yeah. I'm just going to say the rumors are that uh, this next-gen chip might actually be matching or maybe even beating Intel on single core, which is a nice change from AMD. Hey, Certainly. speaking of performance, let's, let's move on to the next story so that we can, we can somehow uh, preserve Jim's sanity here, but <laughs> yes, that, uh, that was my Segui. Some pass mark benchmarks right up on CPU benchmark.net. We have some Ryzen 9 3950X results. And if you look at CPU mark numbers, they are sitting in third place behind two Epic processors with 34,009. And I mean, look at how this sits relative to the 3900X, which is scored a 31,877. So the expected boost there. But... You know, you can compare that to like the 9980XE, that Extreme Edition part from Intel's only 29,564. So further gains from AMD. And these are obviously not Threadripper parts. Look at the speed, though. At 3 oh, yeah. gigahertz. Yeah. Yeah. 
Hmm. No speed listed for this Ryzen. I'm assuming that's a, you know, an engineering sample, but like final silicon there. Hey, it looks promising. It looks like, I mean, that 9980 XE is still what, uh, 1200 bucks, or have they dropped that down below a thousand yet? I mean, the list price here it shows 1910, but I think that that dropped. And of course, they've already announced the successor to that. The 10 something something something. Yeah. Well, it just goes. I'm 10, hoping that's made up. 980. Wow. Uh, the new egg listing for the 9980XE is 2947.34 from Unique Marketplace. I'm hoping. Oh, hoping that's not. Yeah. Still waiting to see those price drops. My favorite budget processor, by the way, since I'm on Newegg here, and is the 99 or the 9400F, just because it was selling for like 129 bucks and it's six cores. But that's gone up. I thought Intel was cutting desktop prices, and they're just they're rising. That is cut. They're rising. Okay, speaking of rising, the cadence of AMD's releases are rising fast, says. Resident punster Jeremy Hellstrom. I try. So yeah, it, Dr. Sue uh, at one of the uh, financial meetings made it exciting because usually these things are quite boring and just bean counters listing out the numbers that you're going to expect uh, and the ones that you've just seen and how this is amazing and you should, you know, have been an accountant because you would be just at the edge of your seat. She announced the existence of the new AMD Ryzen 4000 series, which we can expect early next year. Uh, it's going to start with the mobiles. Hmm. Uh, we are oh. going to see the mobiles at the very beginning of the year. The desktops are implied, but uh, it's it's not even been 12 months since they dropped the, the, the new generation that we're on, they haven't even released the 3950X. Right. And we're already mm -hmm. looking at a brand new generation of chips from AMD, uh, again, seven nanometer uh, APUs. It's it's an impressive change, uh, as I said, of, of cadence for war AMD. They've gone past the waltz and are, are you know more or less slam dancing with a Intel at this point. Just launch, 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 launch. Uh, it's it's sort of exciting. Uh, it's questionable as to, you know, do I really want to buy a new chip right now or do I want to see what's going to come in next? Uh, so with all of this work that they've been doing with the, the Ryzen series, the Epic series, Threadripper, you know, son of Epic, uh, the 5700 and 5700 XT on the GPU side, it's just been release, 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 release. And it doesn't look like they're going to stop. It's going to be fun. Now, another part of that was uh, that they'd mentioned that Netflix is really okay. interested in Epic. Uh, this, as I was alluding to earlier, may mean a little bit less consumer side product because, hey, if Netflix is offering to throw money at you to provide processors to them, who are you to say no? That that's a Godfather like request. You know the the entire Zen two architect and Zen before it, 
has been aimed really at one thing, improving IPC. Well, okay, two things. Improving IPC, improving... Okay, three things. <laughs> nobody expects... Sorry, going, nobody expects the AMD Inquisition. But if you really look at it, they designed a core for the high end, and they've modified it to go to the desktop and then the mobile. And, you know, with the, with the I.O. that they have, the I.O. chips, I mean, those are expandable. I mean, you got the basic one with the desktop. You got the expanded one with the, the Epic servers and Red Ripper. And it's just, you know, it's, it's, they've, they've aimed these cores to be as high-end as possible, to pull as little power as possible. And then they've kind of migrated the design down town. To where normal people like you and I can can do it, and so it is not a shock that people like Amazon and people like Netflix are looking at these and like, you know, what it offers a quite a few advantages. It may not be an Intel Core, which yeah, you know, I'm going to say it's right now. Nothing against AMD, but you know the you know per core Intel still has. Well, other than the mitigations that they've had to do with essentially all the L1 cache, but the performance that's there, security, that's another matter altogether. But the performance, <laughs> well, you, you want can't both? have both, really. Why, why would you want both? You really, you it's like, you know, you got three Forget options, that. pick two. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so yeah, I mean, in terms of performance, Intel is, is still really up there per core. But yeah, I mean, there are other things going on here in the background, obviously. But uh, yeah, no, AMD has done a tremendous job with Rome and Epic and uh, what they've been able to offer and the flexibility there and the expandability of, of, of cores and features and whatnot. They're all really good things and they're building blocks and they're getting there. And again, when, when you're talking about mitigations that Intel just released one that, oh yeah, the performance, I mean, you might as well just cut out L1 cache. It's just, Ouch. it's just not, it's not good. And I mean, they're going to hit, take some hits at, at the OS level just because of these, these mitigations and it hurts, but you know, it's, it's, it's what it is. But uh, yeah, no, I, I think uh, what AMD has done in, in terms of their design, their their focus, and being able to scale down into you know the Athlon three thousand G for fifty bucks, which is a bargain for two cores, four threads, and probably be able to overclock that thing quite a bit. Oh I mean, yeah, it's just, they, you will. Oh, it's unlocked. Yeah, yeah, it's unlocked. Yep. Yeah, and so this is this is these are all wonderful things, and I think AMD is really hitting a stride. And with the 10 nanometer issues that Intel is having, and even though they've expanded 14 nanometer production with extended 14 nanometer nodes, I think AMD has got some good things rolling. You mentioned mitigations, and it was funny because there's we have a story on this but intel their their update their blog post about this was it's for the security advisories for november 2019 i love this quote industry collaboration is a key and strategic component to how we seek to lead in hardware security innovation i'm reading this like it's just all pr speak like where is the actual update about what this vulnerability is 
And what products are affected? You have to speculate. Wade through. Yeah, you have to speculate. I heard what you did there. (laughs) I didn't predict Uh, that you would do that. I sit on this branch all by myself, and I'm proud of it. (laughs) So, Jeremy, do you have any more information about this latest Uh, zombie load issue? Yeah, it ain't going away. Hooray. Uh, and uh, the, the lovely thing is that, you know, even the Core and Xeon processors with TSX and TAA on them, yeah, it's uh, still going to go on those. Uh, it's it, it's just part of the architecture. Flip side, not a single attack has ever been spotted by anyone using any of these. So mm-hmm. while it is a theoretical issue it's not something that people are actually actively using to attack because it 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 is a bit of a bitch to try and do uh some of the row hammer and the earlier ones yes we did see those uh but these ones are more it's possible which is horrifying to assisted men or really anyone who values their their privacy but we're not seeing attacks so don't panic uh they're a little less get upset. yeah get get upset because it is a horrible thing but it's it's not something that you should wake up and worry about every morning as well so is this kind of uh, like the 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 pseudo specter thing that intel said well amd has this too but of course <laughs> to be able to access it you'd need to have access to a usb port on the actual server that's running and be able to have pseudo and once you got physical access well guess what all bets are off yeah uh which was that uh, wouldn't be the only avenue that would be open at that point i mean let's go real. so well well, that would be kidnapping the it director and you know typing it never mind exactly and the same goes for i don't know if you use uh lab view diadem mlab or any of those josh but uh if you do, and you've got Intel products that with the PMX DRV drivers, update them today. Because again, if someone gets physical access to it, even on a guest account, they can start reading stuff off of the buffers and you know upload things to the Windows kernel, which is just not something you want. It's it's. It's a little bit bad, but on the other hand, if you're running Whiskey Lake, Coffee Lake R, or you know, really weird and Cascade Lake SP, you this will not affect you. Uh, the the attack vector doesn't simply doesn't exist on those chips at all. This is more of a, a Xeon and some of the the higher end core architectures. Now there was some good news out of Intel. I you know I wanted to mention that uh, they've announced the Nirvana neural network processors. So good news for Intel, not so good news for us. They have two different types, the NNP T1000, because you should definitely name something T1000, oh, yeah. uh, is, is for developing machine learning applications. It, it's just, I, I'm not, I can't blame Ryan for this, but, you know, I think I might see his fingerprints somewhere on this somewhere. And uh, the NNP I1000, which is, for IoT and cloud applications type stuff. It's an interesting brand new way of developing chips. Uh, It's part of what Intel was mentioning earlier about uh, changing the entire way that they think about uh, creating chips, but not in a chiplet way, because that would be weird. Uh, 
it, it's interesting. We're going to be seeing more of these coming over the, the, I think we're CES unlikely, but just after that, quite likely. And we've already got uh, Zuckerberg just drooling over these things, apparently. Uh, Facebook's already signed up, is tossing money at them to try and get the, these chips developed, processed, and into their sweaty little hands as soon as possible. And yes, Maxius, there's the TPM thing, but it just, it got too depressing reading that this morning. So I just gave it up. But yeah, the, the trusted platform management, you just don't trust it. They should put a U in front of it, like UPnP. It's like universal plug and play. No, it's untrusted plug and play. So this should now become untrusted platform management. <laughs> At least it's equipped with a plasma rifle in the 40 watt range. Yes. Dells doesn't fix their DRAC crap from over a year ago. And yeah, it's just fun right now. By the way, okay, we're, we, our next story on the list was about Red Dead Redemption 2. Obviously, the, the huge launch of the year so far. Oh, you can launch space. it? Oh, that's good. You can launch it. That's the thing. That's the thing. <laughs> like, I thought, we're, oh, we're going to talk about the launch issues and the AGSA code and NVIDIA drivers and all that stuff. <laughs> yep. Uh, I, saw, I, I saw some heated words from Gamers Nexus on Twitter today about this because apparently the developers posted something about this, like apologizing, but I think they've been basically just deflecting the whole time, right, Brett? Yes. A console port went poorly. Amazing. Yeah. I just it, on Reddit it said it was just a GSA one oh oh three that was the problem. And I, well, people I, I, in yeah, our I, chat have been saying that on one oh oh two it's not an issue at all. But I don't know if they're running. Okay, what oh, you know what is so strange about all this is you know it's an on a console and what is the console hardware Think, think, think hard. Think, think. Are you thinking? Are Some you unknown try? company. Oh, yeah, uh, something. Uh, Matrox. Yeah. Yeah. Products on PC. I, I just. Makes me unhappy. Remember. Yeah. I liked it when everybody was talking better. There's never a dull moment. <laughs> No. Well, blah, 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 blah. Bad. it's better. It's always better than a pregnant pause, like a long dead silence. Like this. <laughs> yes. So, yeah. So, Jeremy, you posted about like what it takes to run this. Apparently, if you're on the right Ajisa code version and don't have an offending any other the, hardware, that what the assumption is that you can actually launch and play it as well as run the benchmarks. Because there is can oh, okay. benchmarks along with it. Yeah, so yeah. assuming you know you're you're playing and it, to be even more specific on a real computer, not on a console. Uh, it's an interesting study in the difference between Vulkan, which is the default API for it, and DirectX 12. Uh, and so that's what a lot of the benchmarks have been focusing on is running it the two different ways. Yeah. And long story short, what we found is that if you're running modern generation. Uh, an RTX uh, 5700, like a car that's built with DX12 in mind. DX12 is significantly better. Your your top frame rates will not change, but that 99th percentile of really slow frames spikes on Vulcan. Uh, in some really? cases, almost doubles. Surprising. Yeah. Mm. Well, it, it is. Usually because it's the opposite. It, yeah, usually. I know. 
So well, yeah, this that's may be because in the, the PS4 is is definitely not DirectX. No, it is not. <laughs> no, nope. no. So it, it's very weird, and I have a feeling that this is going to be this will evolve over time. Uh, but really looking at the DX12, uh, and I posted another one today um, where they were just specifically looking at. Uh, I think it was a 2060 and a 5700, maybe an XT. I don't remember. And yeah, it's just your, your, your frame rates will be great overall, but those lagged flames, those, those tearing frames, the, the occurrence of them significantly increases uh, if you're doing Vulcan, unless you're running an older generation card that isn't really that good at DX 12. Uh, looking at you 1080 that I used to really like, then you're pretty much balanced either way. It's, it's going to be about the same. In fact, in some cases, Vulcan is actually a better choice for you. Although don't try it 4k. That, that's Which, pretty I mean, much. It makes sense because generally speaking, guys. yeah. Vulcan generally is the better choice on lower end hardware, especially. So I guess at least yeah. in this particular instance, Although sometimes on higher end hardware, like certain games, like uh, the most recent one I tested was, uh, uh, what was it? The zombie game on Epic World War World War Z. That's a Vulcan title. Yeah, I I know. yeah, okay, yeah. Even on DX12 hardware, it ran better on Vulcan. Yep. But, um, let's pause here for a minute to hear a word from our sponsor this week. Today's sponsor is Captera, the leading free online resource to help you find the best software solution for your business. What if you could make your work take less work? You can with Captera. Captera helps you find the right software for your needs fast so that you can get back to business even faster. Compare thousands of software options, read reviews, and instantly narrow your favorites. You'll have more time in no time. Find the right software right now at captera.com slash pcper. With over 1 million reviews of products from real software users, discover everything you need to make an informed decision. Search through more than 700 specific categories of software, everything from project management to email marketing to software designed for yoga studios and health clubs. For any business, small or large, and no matter what kind of software you need, Captera makes it easy to discover the right solution fast. For example, here at PC Per. We needed a new link shortening service to help us easily share links to our articles in places like social media and podcast show notes. With Captera, we found dozens of options, and we were able to quickly pick the right solution thanks to Captera's honest reviews from real users of each app or service, easily comparable lists of pricing, licensing terms and features, and helpful screenshots and videos showing the software in action. And best of all, Captera is absolutely free. No sign-up, no subscription. Just head to captera.com slash PCPer for free today to find the tools to make an informed software decision for your business. Captera.com slash PCPer. That's C-A-P-T-E-R-R-A dot com slash PCPer. Captera, software selection simplified. And we're back. Thank you. Thank you, Captera. Yeah. And of all things, Jeremy... I posted a review. I can't remember the last time you reviewed something for the site, Jeremy. Oh, Christ, I made it all up. I haven't even unboxed the damn thing. God damn it. <laughs> did, did you write it in Canadian? Did you write it in Canadian? 
Yes, he wrote it in Canadian. I thought about putting a warning at the start, and I'm like, that's offensive to Canadian readers. But seriously, no, they'd understand. I mean, there's more. There's more they... use in here. Yeah, sorry than about I think that. I've ever seen because he, he he seems to delight in using the word color, and I've never seen color emitter before. I I spelled it correctly. I changed his title. Yes, you did. I and I decided to accept that and not get into an edit battle. That could it could get ugly fast. Yes. But yeah. Hey, as long as you don't change the permalink, I guess we're okay. Well, that's the but idea. You, that's really the important one. Yeah. So tell yeah, me well, your impressions. There are this. some people who can't manage that part, so <laughs> Thank you, babe. Hey. That was a freak accident. I have no idea where those characters came from. <laughs> On my side, it looked fine. Okay. I'm sure that at it least, did. At least I'm <laughs> the dev end. Right. It was great. I don't know what's wrong <laughs> Look, with you. <laughs> in IE 5.5, it works flawlessly. Mm. Okay, mm -hmm. my Windows IE six, my Windows ME virtual machine that I write everything in. Mm -hmm. Why aren't right, you doing Jeremy. it on Web TV still? I thought you were still using that console thing. Web TV. It broke. It broke. Damn it. I'm, I've, oh, I have several on eBay I'm watching right now. Mm -hmm. so maybe I you should get a yep, move on that. Josh Dahl's one, I'm sure. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I love internet. Internet appliances, man. Like It's like the terminal of the modern age. You Nothing wear it on your wrist now. Emphasis on the terminal. It's <laughs> <laughs> true. Okay, Jeremy, please tell us about this Spider <laughs> or so it's why you invite me. Spider yeah. X Pro. Sorry, not Spider Four Pro. Spider, Spider X. X Pro. Uh, Spider it's... Ten Pro Max. Yes. Yeah, we don't know how to pronounce X anymore, do we? It, it, regardless, it is the tenth generation of Spider, so you, you choose which way to go with that. But I've played around with a Huey for a very long time, and it, it's dead simple. You just buck it onto your screen with the suction cups. It runs through some flashy tests and it tells you you're wonderful and does some light general sensing of your ambient light to try and not that you ever notice, but dynamically change what the colors are on your screen. Now the spider has been more for professional monitor reviewers and people that just, you know, for whatever reason need proper colors on their display. So they know that they're working from something. Spider is a little bit more involved. So they run through some tests where essentially you've, you've got to have your monitors on for about half an hour to warm them up. You do a factory reset, turn off all of your gamer uh, office, whatever effects that come in with your, your monitor via the on-screen display. So that it's starting from a very basic, everything is the same. It then gets you to put it on and it runs through a brightness test uh, where after it, it takes a look. And of course, as you go through, you, a desktop and a laptop is going to be different. It will give you a chance to do uh, actual manufacturer models. So in my case, it wasn't listed. But if you have a, norm, a newer monitor, it's already going to have a basic profile built in. It lets you choose. So if you are using one of the fancier Apple displays, you can adjust for that specific type of uh, backlight or LED. It takes a look at the backlighting on your room, measures it, puts it up there, and then you get you are given a target, uh, be it 
like 57 or 5600k if you you're on a monitor that does it that way or a number that you're trying to reach if it's just doing it uh, via you know zero percent to a hundred percent once you've matched that as best you can you then run through and very quickly uh it goes through a light show it's a minute or two and it's then not just gives you a look at your calibration it gives you your displays gamma in srgb ntsc adobe rgb and p3 you actually get to know if the monitor that you spent a whole bunch of money on is doing what was advertised, which can matter a lot, not just for people that are doing, you know, professional design, but you know, if you spent 18 hours stacking those Skyrim realism mods over top of each other, it, you know, you might as well have the colors, the right thing. Otherwise, you know, it's, it's not quite the same. If you're into streaming games, it's going to be hard to make your stream look proper if what you're looking at is already just a bit wonky. So colorometer is, it's more for general purpose, but herein lies the issue. They're not cheap. They're never cheap. Uh, it's, it's, a, it's a significant sensor and you know, it, it's just overall a fairly impressive chunk of uh, technology so for what i reviewed which was spider x pro was 170 us uh the spider x elite is a hundred dollars more but it has some interesting tricks uh such as it's able to do projectors it's a when you're you're doing reflective light versus a, a ambient it's 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 very different I haven't had a chance to check it out yet. Uh, I hope I'm hoping to at my local pub because they're just going to replace the bulb and their projector in the near future. It's, and I'm curious to see also how it works. Transmissive. Or, sorry, transmissive. Yeah. Yeah. It's been a long time since I've done theater lighting. <laughs> Freaking long time. And that was additive. And, uh, yeah. but, uh, so if you've got a reason to do it and a little bit of money, uh, the spiders family has been, the de facto one to go to for many, many years. It's got some great designs over the years. The uh, protective cup that you see there on the USB cord is also the counterweight. So it slides down and you just hang it behind your monitor so that your uh, sensor isn't going to go flopping around, which was probably the only thing that I didn't like as much about this as I did about the Huey is it doesn't have a suction cup. So their suggestion is, is tilt the monitor back so that you can get a, a proper fitting to the screen. Huh. Yeah, which isn't too bad as long as you've got a monitor stand like I do or a decent uh, monitor with a built-in stand. A lot of them just simply can't do that. So something to think of, uh, you know, could always lay it flat if you really wanted. So it it's not something for everyone, but it, it's well worth it. And I honestly, my brightness was way too high, uh, according to this. And it took me about two days to get used to it. And after that, it's like, yeah, okay, this this actually does look significantly better. The whites aren't as overwhelming, but are still pure. Word of warning to people with HDR monitors. Dynamic brightness will interfere with trying to get anything going up. Because as it gets a, a signal for a very bright screen, like say the full white screen it's doing to do the white test, your, your HDR monitor is actually going to increase the brightness beyond what it is. So when you're doing the calibration, disable it, 
uh, assuming you can do so. Most monitors allow you to do that. Get your base reading, then turn the HDR back on, and things are going to look good. And yes, it does do multiple monitors. I'm running three. Do you really think it's uh, an issue? I, you mentioned uh, as you were starting to talk about it, do you think it's still an issue with LCDs having to heat up? I know it used to be a bigger issue with phosphors in CRTs. Oh, God, yeah. I mean, yeah. That was the significant problem with getting everything warmed up into the right color temperature and all that. But what kind of an issue is does, does LCD present in like the heating versus uh, color you know, emittance and brightness, brightness? I haven't really noticed. I mean, at this point, not much. Yeah, I didn't think so. It's worth doing. Uh, I think it's it's especially in there for people with slightly older monitors. Like my Asus ones are, are probably pushing eight years now. Uh, and so things get old. It, it's You may not get the instant on that you used to. <laughs> no, are we talking about the same thing? Well, you know, six and one. Okay. And you did say puck it up there, right? Just want to cross check on that one. Yeah. Okay. Just check. Uh, has it improved um, your mine- Minecraft game any? I still haven't got into that pile of crack cocaine yet. Come on, RTX, <laughs> RTX Minecraft soon. That's right. Well, I'm still on the 1080, mate. But if I ever yeah. get an RTX... You can't RTX on with that. Yeah. You can. I mean, you shouldn't, but you can. Oh, well, okay. T- yep, you're right. Be really slow. You can. Pascal yeah. can. Yep. Oh, by the you way, this isn't Minecraft in the list, to be fast. But did you guys see that uh, Neon Noir, that CryTech, CryEngine demo API from that was agnostic released. RTX? That was stuff. Yeah, oh was yeah, yeah. I have got to get that going and start testing some cards. I love the look of that thing. That's what'll sell me on RTX finally, and that's not even that's like Josh. That's platform agnostic. You can run it on AMD. Yeah. In fact, they did yeah. the demo at CES on an R. What did they do it on a Vega fifty six? It wasn't even I think a sixty four. Yeah, there it is, right there, uh, Vega fifty six. Mm. And it was the only resolution like of thirteen fifty seven by seven fifty four. It's all software <laughs> and math, man. You, you right. can do it. Think about uh, when when Half Life guys did the Source Engine and HDR. That was that yeah. was. Yeah. That was my a while ago. At the time you could do it on on regular hardware. So, do you think they backed into that resolution by computing how much more bandwidth do we need and how many pixels do we need to cut out to get it? There's one of those pauses. There's one right there. Yeah, exactly. I have no idea. Nobody has no anything to say. That. Damn it! No, Josh has an answer for everything. Nope. Nope. When in doubt, nope. when in doubt, talk about computer cases. That's my go-to strategy. And Kent put up a review of a Silverstone case. This is the RL08 or RL08. It's a micro ATX case. He really liked this thing. One of the first things I'm going to point out right now, Josh, is the presence of a five Sebastian. and a quarter inch bay. The presence of a five and a quarter inch bay on the front oh. of this. The front of this uh, mid tower. Let, let me jump in here. This, beautiful, this one is Lee. Lee, Lee oh, did I'm the Silverstone. Kent did the next one for us. <sighs> sorry, Lee. I get confused because I'm the one who put both of these in the system. 
Because initially, when I put them in, it says that I wrote them until I go to the drop down and change that. So I apologize. Um, this is one that, yeah, we actually really like this. I, I am starting to remember now in putting this. And it's kind of, it, okay, do you remember the Temgen TJ08-E? Anybody listening or watching here remembers that case. It had no, the but rotated... I'm disturbed by the fact it mentions DTX. Yes, we still it's not rotated. It's, it's inverse, I think. I, I, okay, I think there's some confusion, and I suffer from this, about the difference between rotated versus inverted uh, case layouts. <clears throat> and the Traces are on the inside. Yeah, sorry, Ken. So anyway, the, internally, this is very similar to the TJ08E, which was a, a very well-known, solid, still my favorite micro-ATX case of all time. There's some changes to make it a little bit more modern. Uh, it has the power supply on the bottom now instead of the top. You used to have to, you had to sort of share space between an obstacle drive and the PSU, which was tricky up top in the original version. The original version also shipped with, I call it the original version. The Temgen shipped with a giant 180 millimeter fan up front. This has two conventional fans up front. So they've had a few takes on this over the years. This it's just kind of an update to it, but it still has that layout. And I'm sure there's schools of thought on both sides about whether this actually works or not. Putting the GPU up top, though, does allow for it to intake air through uh, the vents on the top of the case in lieu of like a fan mount. Because if you're using a micro ATX case, uh, you've only got a couple inches between like a, a two and a half slot video card and the mesh up top. You can technically fit two graphics cards in these cases, but they have to be exactly dual slot width cards, which of course is a, a limitation of micro ATX anyway, because you only have four expansion slots. Five seventy minis. Yeah. A nano. Get the nano. Or the nanos. Yeah, now we're talking. <laughs> I mean the, people like to get smaller cases like this and do custom liquid cooling and stuff. So I mean you can always fit dual GPUs in here if you really want to, but uh you know, just check out the review for all the details and build photos and all of that. But it's it's funny to me. I'm looking at the interior pictures and it's even got like a, a GPU support bracket that you can mount in different positions. That's similar to what the old Temgen case had, although that one was like a floor mounted bracket to hold up the PS or to hold up the graphics card to keep it from sagging. Or was it but, for the CPU? You know, I, I have one question about the Saul Sebastian. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Why in God's green earth do you have a thousand watt power supply in a micro ATX? I mean, overhead, not? I guess. You don't? I just use thousand watt power supplies for everything, but I'm lucky enough to have several <laughs> of them laying around. <laughs> like, if I'd actually have to try to find something, especially the Silverstone ones, they're, <laughs> they're cheap. Jade. Well, hey, maybe maybe Silverstone sent the power supply along with the case, or maybe Lee was just like, "Hey, I've got the Silverstone PSU. <laughs> I'm gonna put it in the Silverstone case." I used the yeah. same. In fact, this is the same one that I used to use. The Strider. Um, no, this is a different one. I had a Strider 1000, but it was only a silver, 80 plus silver that I used mm. in every case review for like three or four years, I think. But yeah, I mean, they're they're nice because they're compact. So Silverstone's always been about like density. So they typically have one of the densest power supplies you can get in that 140 millimeter depth. But 
Enough. Enough about the density. That's what we start what singing. Density. Density. No editor's choice. For me. Density. Yeah. Come on. You guys only... know what that's from. I don't. I don't know what that's from. It's, it's supposed to be de- Destiny. Young Frankenstein. Oh. Come on. Oh, yeah. Okay. Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein. Minor weakness. He only lists one. A large lower baffle is not removable and may restrict the airflow to the three and a half inch hard drive. That's it. Everything else he loved about it. Premium build quality. He liked the dark tempered glass side panel. I'm kind of. I like the light or no tint glass side panels now, but anyway, to each their own. Support for smaller form factor motherboard. Now, Mini DTX is that longer Mini ITX board, right? Is that the one that has the extra expansion slots? But otherwise, is the width of Mini ITX. But hey, if you have one of those, it has the uh, holes already. You don't have to drill anything. So, yeah. Editor's choice. Read exactly why with Lee's review. And of course, now that I've completely butchered this, now we get to the Kent review. He was not wild about this. This was a Fantex case. They have now multiple cases in this P300 series. This is the P360X. And uh, he tried to be diplomatic about this, but he did not love this case. So let me see. What's the pricing on this one? $79.99. So the cheaper option would be the P350X, which is $10 less, which he thinks is a better case all around. An issue with this, and I think the last one we looked at had a mesh front panel. The issue with this is just airflow. It's You take a case, you put a solid front panel on it. There's two little slots to take in air, but they're also occupied by these internal brackets that provide RGB lighting. It leaves very little room for airflow to actually get in. If you look at the front panel, though, I mean, it looks great. When the lighting is turned on, you got a great shot of the front panel RGB glowing. But, you know, more space for airflow would have been a very good thing. I mean, it's very much like any of the other Fantex cases, like the three or 400 series cases. If you've looked at any of those, you're not going to see any, like, groundbreaking new interior layout or design still well-made. All the Fantex stuff that I've ever gone hands-on with has been very well-made. But here, the issue is temperatures, and he just ran it with stock fans that had the highest temps of anything he's tested, highest CPU load temps, highest GPU load temps by a few degrees. And then, with standardized airflow testing, we actually kind of brings everything. You can read his actual process but to try to level the playing field, it's it slightly improved from its bottom of the list performance, as he says, but only slightly. So it, you have to determine if it's worth it to you to trade. And unfortunately, enclosure noise is not great either. Wow, looking at this load noise up to 51 decibels. It's like seven and a half dBs higher than the next case on the list. Wow. So, yeah. Uh, that terrible combination, unfortunately, of, of high noise and bad thermals. So seems like it's a better bet to just go with one of the cheaper series cases. But is it pretty? Oh, it's oh, very pretty. Fantex has got RGB game. They're good. Yeah. 
Hey, speaking of cooling, I did a review last night, I think, of this Fuma 2. I think it's pronounced Fuma. Fuma or Fuma? It's the SCFM 2000. This is from Scythe. And ever since I reviewed the Ninja 4 back in the day, I don't even remember how long it's been. That was the cooler that just like broke my test methodology. Like the, the SPL meter I was using wasn't sensitive enough. I couldn't pick up any noise from it. On its low setting, it only spun at 800 RPMs. It was just insanely quiet, but still extremely effective. I've been impressed with their mounting hardware, with the quality of the heat sinks. The fans are really quiet. They make really, really good stuff for the money. And this is a $59 cooler that it's just light years ahead of, I think, their previous design. The Fuma was a solid cooler, but this is just significantly better. They've made it bigger, but then they have this asymmetrical design to keep it away from the RAM. Got a big cutout on one of the two. This is a dual tower cooler. Has a cutout, which makes sense if you look at their image of it installed on an X299 board. So it actually lets you install really tall memory, like the HyperX Predator heat sinks that are like double the height of regular dims. How thin is that bloody fan? I know, that's the thing. Asymmetrical fan fan thickness as well. That's clever. There's all sorts of stuff going on here. The the two fans that it it comes with are these uh, Kaze or Kaze. Is that a 20 mil or a 25 mil? 25 in the middle, 15 on the like next to your RAM module. So like the rear no. fan is only 15 oh, millimeters. Those thick. are the measurements I like. And here's, here's the other thing. Here's the weird thing. This uses what they call uh, a reverse airflow concept, the reverse jet flow. So the rear fan is spinning in one direction. This, the middle fan is spinning in another direction, which I don't think I've ever seen before. And not unless you installed your fans wrong. Right? Yeah. Well, that's I mean, not, that's it's not rotation. As long as long yeah. as airflow goes in one way, and you do counter rotation, right. you're you're increasing turbulence, therefore yeah. kind of noise. But your air density increases dramatically, or at least you said it density. Density, yeah. density. <laughs> they they claim up to fifteen percent improved performance versus the original Fuma, but I put it up against just recently huh. tested stuff. I used that i7 7700K I've been using for two and a half years now, the same CPU that Josh has in his system. It's a it's a toasty CPU. What do you use to cool that, Josh? Uh, Corsair A50. Oh, okay. Which is a pretty good tower fan for the time. Yeah. So you got liquid yeah. cooling going on that thing. Uh, just looking at the chart here, this, this staggers me. Like, the, the fact that this $59 Fuma 2, and I, I double-checked everything. This is the same platform, the exact wow. same motherboard, same wow. CPU. Yeah. And it was two degrees, well, not quite two degrees cooler than a, than the Be Quiet stuff that I've tested. Now, I have noticed that the X264 benchmark that I have used forever to test CPU loads is not quite as hard on the CPU as running Cinebench all-core. I've been using that in lieu of, I used to punish, I did a torture test with the Prime 95, like small FFTs. I don't do that anymore because with this 7700K, it basically hits TJ Maxx on anything but a really large cooler. And I hated having to stand around and, and kill it once it hit 100 degrees. Although I know there's nothing, nothing's going to happen to the CPU. I'm sure it'll shut down, but 
I was maybe nervous to watch it in the high 90s. But even running Cinebench, I ran Cinebench with this, and it, it hit a max of 54.6 C above ambient, which was still three degrees lower than the Dark Rock Pro 4. So th- this is a significant achievement for a $59 cooler. So apparently that uh, reverse jet flow system is working quite well. Plus these have outstanding mounting hardware. Like it sounds boring, but the actual connection to the CPU is as good on these as anything. And this just gotten better. I think it was the Ninja 5 that was the first one that used this slightly revised version of their uh, mounting system. And one of the things I pointed out in that review and in this review too is the little plastic spacers. Like when you push the bolts through the bottom of an Intel system, you've got to put a spacer on there. With Noctua coolers, it's just black plastic. These is black plastic too, but it's it's uh, lined with rubber. So when you push them down in place, they stay put and they actually sort of lock the base plate in place on the opposite side of the board. Is this is the best? It's the best installation experience of any of this type of cooler on an Intel platform that I've ever used. So I, I wish everybody would do that. Just put a rubber washer on the other end of the spacer, and you know that sounds like a really small thing, but. Yeah, yeah, no, sandwich, no, no, like no, three no, things. That, that She'll rubber, appreciate no. it in the end. <laughs> yeah, no, the the rubber, you know, encases the the shaft of the uh, of the heat sink, and then it holds it tight and it expands to increase the pressure on it when it is pushed further down into the hole. Yes. That's what um, it is. Yeah. Hope you guys are as good as I am now. <laughs> okay. Uh, so anyway, that was the Scythe Uma 2, which I need to do some more testing on. I, I want to test this on some like the big boys, like the R9 3900X and the 9900K, or maybe even the KS. But We should get a I, Josh yeah. testimonial at the bottom of some of these. Just thinking. Mm-hmm. It's kind of, that would yeah. be fun. Till the lawsuit. The mounting procedure was quite satisfying. Yeah, more of that. Yeah, that, yeah. yeah, it was Truth. firm. It was firm, but but pliable right. at the same Giving. time. Yes, mm-hmm. there we go. There's a, there's the a end, little bit of give. In the end, we were all satisfied. <laughs> well, somebody. Let's was. not even get into the uh, the heat the sink end. compound that was <laughs> spread <laughs> across <laughs> the CPU. It was 100 yeah. percent organic. Yeah, yes, from Kentucky. Mm. You know, and it, no, and it got no, it, the hotter it got, no. the more the more it flowed. No Kentucky compound was used in the testing of this cooler, even if it was an Intel CPU. All right, Jeremy, you have a pick this week. So this is old, apparently, but I had no idea this was a thing. You can slap on your Oculus Rift and visit the International Space Station. It's it, and it's not just you know wandering around being silly. They've actually got a couple of people that have been on there to offer you a guided tour, explaining what's sort of going on. The the buddy things apparently won an Emmy. But seriously, if you've got a VR headset, like how have you not done this? This is exactly what this damn stuff is for. 
it, it's just it, okay it's uh, i think i know what it's for but maybe this is the non uh porn version well, the other vr is for the oh, other this is just the different type of porn no vr is for porn but yes Sorry. right this is the other type of porn it's like oh this is interesting also yeah so apparently it's been out for a little while uh it's you, you just grab it go have fun uh with what, rift for, the rift our, for our audio listeners jeremy what are we talking about here I, that, as I said, you you get to don your VR goggles and visit the International Space Station. This is it okay, starts so out Mission ISS. ISS, yes. It's free. It's, it's an okay. experience. Yes, it's free. But you you have to own the Oculus Rift headset, right? It doesn't work with any VR headset, right? Starting at uh, five hundred and fifty dollars Canadian. Ooh, the Rift or well, the Rift it's, it's cheaper than a ride into space. Three ninety nine US. Interesting. Who's next? Josh? Is it me? Yes. Yes, you were next on the list. Oh, yeah, fun case, fun case. The uh, NZXT H510, which I believe you reviewed in the past. Yeah, I did the Elite version of it, I think. Yeah, no, this is, uh, you know, for 70 bucks, you get tempered glass, you get... No five and a quarter inch phase, which you know you can live without. It's got a um, USB C connection, which you need to make sure your motherboard has USB C little connections mm-hmm. different from the USB 3.0, totally different. Um, otherwise, I, admit, I gotta like the no, top it's, of it's that. A, the, the you know, it's, it's a pretty clean. spacious case, and uh, you know, I loaded up a full ATX board. I've got uh, two mirrored four terabyte hard drives in there. I've got, you know, NVMe, which takes up no space at all. And, uh, you know, 2070 Super. And everything goes really well together. And uh, cable management is fantastic. Um, You know, it doesn't have any RGB, which is wonderful because, you know, every other video card heat sink and fan from AMD and motherboard has got more than enough RGB to provide the happiness that I guess that you require. It comes with two fans. It stays relatively cool. It's not the most silent case, but for 70 bucks, it's, it's got a really good feel to it. The tempered glass is nice. Everything fits nicely. It's well-constructed. Uh, it's got the little bay for the ATX, you know, the power supply, which in theory you really don't want in the bottom sucking stuff up from the floor and out the back. You'd rather you got a filter down there, right? It. They put filters yeah. on the bottom. Yeah, it's got filters there. But, you know, if you think about uh, airflow in a case, I mean, I still am a big fan of, of having the power supply on oh, the I get top what you're of the computer. You're a big fan. I'm a do big you, fan. Do you I see those the, the more stable base though? You got a nice weight sitting at the bottom of your case. Yeah, it's true. Yeah, it's true. But you know, it's sucking up all of the crap from your floor. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. And you like know, you got animals, you got pets. I tell you. Yeah. Yeah. You get a lot of stuff. Hey, Josh, this is why yeah, you need a thousand watt power supply. Because oh, the thousand is... watt power supplies pick up way more cat hair oh. than those five hundred and fifty watt power supplies do. 
Yeah, and unlike the 500 photos. watt, it doesn't properly incinerate it. The 1000 watt just yeah. turns it to dust. It's gone. And if you go up to like a 1500 watt, it's just going to be like, it's like a vacuum cleaner. You're going to have to suck it's gonna be a out plasma of the generator in the middle right. of my power supply <laughs> powered by cat fur. Right. The, the area of efficiency underneath the, the power production curve is still there with the inlet totally plugged with fur. Sweet. That's why you yeah. need to move up to the thousand. Exactly. Or fifteen. Uh, I have that that platinum eighty. Yeah. You want that you want that that fur plugged headroom. That's what you well, want. Yeah, exactly. of course. You do need platinum power. You can't just put any like gold rated fifteen hundred no. watt power supply down there. Silver and bronze is out the door. Wait, who did See, that? If yeah. you, if you, <laughs> that, that, that's if you spending seventy dollars on a case, you've got to put like a three hundred dollar power supply in there. Wait, I have saying. actually exactly. I have I have a legitimate comment. I that the air inlets on that actually didn't look all that much larger than the not very good flowing Fantex case that was just Fantex. Reviewed. They're slightly so, larger, but they're not that much. Hey, Josh, you're being generous. The H510 does not have very good airflow. And you've mentioned the noise. That's what they did to make up for it. Those fans spin way faster than they would that was, need to spin. That was my next question, yeah. If they, yeah. like, was I, the, the 510 Elite that I reviewed, it was like 40 decibels under a normal CPU load, which is pretty high Oy. today. Like most yeah. cases yeah. are in like that 32 to 35 dB range. But but here's the CPU. thing, you know, we live in Laramie, Wyoming, which is pretty cold. And the office we're in is pretty cold. And so all the people yeah. around this guy who has the case, they've got these personal <laughs> heaters that run okay. all the time. And so he doesn't even notice the case fans because, yeah, personal heaters. You know, if you had yourself, you said you have a RTX 2070 Super in there. Mm -hmm. Down, you, it would be, it's not really a downgrade. Isn't uh, the 1080 Ti relatively close to an RTX 2070 in performance? Well, yeah, 2060 Super, I, I but... running it. Uh, but, you know, needs, needs 1080 that Ti extra. will heat up your house. Please get yourself a Founder's <laughs> Edition. Like, it's so hot. Whenever I get out the 1080 Ti... Anything. This thing is so hot it it literally starts to melt the display port connector. How, how are you handling that without oven mitts right now? Well, it hasn't been on in a while, and it's oh, also okay. very cold in this room. But uh, <laughs> this is a freaking <laughs> furnace. I thought the R nine two ninety X was hot. This no, thing is really really hot. Uh, my pick is actually oh, yeah, I have three. One. I ha oh, go I ahead, Brett. Go. go no, ahead. I want you to go last because you know you should back clean up. No. Yeah. So I actually have one today. I just came up with it just a few minutes ago. I mean, how could we possibly go through today without mentioning? Oh my gosh, why? Why haven't we talked about the the 16 inch MacBook Pro? I mean, we oh, got. You got to have one of those. Numerous reasons. Oh, Josh, one I couldn't find it on the website. It's uh, oh, it's Two, there. I don't it's have there. a five thousand dollars. No, you don't need five thousand. <laughs> hey, it's not five thousand dollars. I, I, you could start. It starts at as little as twenty three hundred. Okay, Canadian. That's that's just fake yeah. money anyway. But I I priced mine at a very reasonable forty three hundred. And when I say mine, I'm using air quotes to say mine. You, know oh, you have you know not I mean? pre-ordered it. Uh, I have not pre yet pre-ordered it. Uh, I actually oh, still own. I still own and use as my portable Mac uh, a, a 2011 17 2.5 with 16 gig and a pair of SSDs in it. So uh, none of their portables hey, could replace you know, it. You know why that still works after all this time? <laughs> because it actually had adequate cooling. 
It, well, it sort of did, although I did have to take it back and have the the graphics chip replaced because it suffered the failure. But oh, this, is it NVIDIA? This, uh, yeah, I believe it was the an AMD one, I think. Um, anyway, they, they all failed in 2000, from 2011. Yeah. But anyway, this this new one actually finally doesn't have the, um, I don't know, any... I have no way of charitably talking about the previous keyboard uh, other than oh, the butterfly that, piece of shit. It, that one. Yeah, that's the one. Yeah, uh, yeah I don't have any charitably, charitable, uh, SSD charitable way to talk about what that. What the hell? Hey, air, okay. how, hey how, where air, can you get eight terabytes of SSD? Absolutely. Okay, that yeah. is interesting. For $2,200? Well, there's got to be more than one in there. Well, yeah, 400 bucks for two. Yeah. And only OWC has come up with an eight terabyte yet. It's well, where else can you find it where it isn't totally soldered in and not removable? I mean, you have to pay for that privilege. I mean, come on, this is the way that I, Apple I want to says see the iFix it tear down on this because yeah, I'm gonna be guessing exciting. they're using some sort of socketed uh storage in this one. No, I've seen a picture of it. If you look on the site, they've got a picture of it, and then there's eight chips soldered to the board. Really, yeah, God, I... sad but yeah. true. I watched this animation like three times. Fans. Ooh. <laughs> dual fans. Right. So I think um, makes no sense. I, I think Jim is going to expense one of these soon. Oh, he needs to. I mean, he because yeah. he had one of those uh, wonderful butterfly equipped 15 inch MacBook Pro. Now, I hope he threw that against the. Hey, let me failed. ask you all a question. It it's a rather personal question. What? It's. So when you scrolled through the Apple site for this product, did you want up. to punch the monitor? Because <laughs> you scroll and shit just doesn't work like you expect it. Yep. It's I, like you scroll and suddenly like, you know, a laptop opened up in front of you instead of you scrolling down. And it does all I, kinds I, of crazy. <laughs> it, 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 look at that. <laughs> I, I just you, you it's, it's like come on Killing i went back smalls. and i went back and watched some of these like how did they do that that's really fascinating i wasn't looking at the product i was looking at how they Brett, managed to why do that can't in a browser our site look like this i need uh, these okay. effects See, look, right. i want to be an adventure photographer but no <laughs> i'm not on the website see look at that I, crap I, hey the mohawk's coming cool. back <laughs> Um, Jim, yeah. Jim, are you getting one? I, I got like no money, so no. I, but on. also, it's important to note ninth gen Intel because, and that's not Apple. True. That's Intel Option. not having a part at that at that yeah. uh, uh, wattage. You mean AMD uh, and AMD right? graphics? Well, it's got well, it's, it, it's, yeah, it's got it's that a, new fifty five hundred. Yes, right? it's Navi graphics, Navi mobile, yep. and because, you know the one that people are are screaming that is never going to get released. That's the one. Well, released as a standalone. It just got released. As, well, as well a, that's unlikely yeah. to happen. But but the other big issue that you should be aware of too is that because of the Intel uh, processor choice, it's a Wi-Fi AC, not Wi-Fi six or you know slash AX. So mm-hmm. a few significant drawbacks for a brand new premium computer yeah. released in late 2019. Uh, so just <laughs> has an escape key. It Why, of all things, okay, the product exists. 10th Gen Mobile exists, right? I know it's in at least one laptop. Well, 10th Gen Mobile exists as a 15-watt part of the 25. Right. This, is, this is the 45-watt right. okay. category. 
But hey, so, but Jim, 10th gen exists as 14 nanometer for the high performance segment, right? 14 uh, nanometer plus plus not plus. At Come 45 on. 45 watt though. It's a, that starts no, at it's what? True. It's 25. Yeah. 25 and that was configurable. I thought the higher uh, four count parts were maybe, but to 45. And and but and yeah, Apple, Apple could have you do that. They could have gone with a discrete yeah. AX chip, uh, but they won't. And then this also means, of course, that because they just released this, we won't see true 10th gen uh, 10 nanometer Intel till probably late 2021 or 20, I'm sorry, late 2020 or early 2021. You're probably right about the 2021, actually. But the the 13-inch MacBook Pro, if they go with Ice Lake in that, will have integrated Thunderbolt 3, you know, on the on the chip and integrated Wi-Fi 6. So it'll be a more compelling feature set in the smaller MacBook Pro. But I'm not going to buy one. I can't buy one. I wish I could buy you one. You're not. I, mean, I probably you. could technically, but I won't. But I wish that I wouldn't make the choice not to buy you one. I can just if you if it's easier for you, I can just deduct it from your next paycheck. <laughs> yeah, that was, and, and the one after that. Probably, and just the before one after the holidays. That. And the one after Funny. that. Um, Jim hey, how, needed a new how review I sample. laptop died. And yeah, right. What press contact do we have at Apple again? Right. They, never, they have never answered any email I've ever sent them or phone call I've left. Ever. After all those years, Jim, running an Apple focused site and working at Mac Observer and I know. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's nothing. Pretty sure that one's not my fault. That's okay. You know, at least I got personally refused an iMac back in two thousand, you know, ninety nine, two thousand by an Apple PR person. So like the ones wow, that were built you guys into the CRT down the hole. That's very sad. Like those original ugly ass iMacs that were the the whole all in one system, yeah, yeah blue, yeah, orange, green. Terrible. That was probably a good thing that you didn't get. You didn't, you didn't want one of those. It was sad. I don't care. You know, was, I saw one once that actually perfectly fit in. It was at a beauty salon. That's oh. what they used for the POS system, and it it was mm-hmm. perfect. It was a POS. It certainly was. Yes. Hey, you know, two hundred and thirty three megahertz G three processors, <clears throat> and uh, tray load laptop drives which apparently infuriated mr jobs who had demanded a slot load drive and they didn't have them in time hey built-in modems are coming back built-in modems are coming back that's all i gotta say and that was the one that dropped the the floppy drive and that outraged people and it had usb and no serial ports and it was they've always done this stuff and now we have laptops with like zero connectivity because the industry says okay and you know thinner That's actually not what happened. What happened was is Apple dropped all the ports, and then the industry went, oh, okay, that's what happened. That's that's what I'm trying to say. Like, The industry copies even Apple's mistakes. I think it personally, okay, they have a laptop that they call the Pro Laptop. And by the way, under Cook, it's getting as bad as it was in the mid-90s with all the different product segmentation Mm -hmm. issues that they have now. It used to be crazy, and then they whittled it down to like four. It was... Pro laptop, pro desktop, and then consumer desktop, which was the iMac, and consumer laptop, which was the iBook. And now it's oh, it's yeah. like MacBook Air, and then there was the MacBook and MacBook Pro. And for a pro machine, there's no SD card reader slot on it. There's no full-size USB ports. There's no Ethernet. It's so thin, it doesn't adequately cool the CPU, so you never really get like long 
duration for the boost frequencies of the CPU, which is usually a higher core count CPU with a higher TDP. This is in a MacBook Pro. And then painfully inadequate graphics for the amount of screen re resolution that you have to deal with because they're retina displays. So it's like a 4 plus K display on that new... I haven't looked at the resolution of the new one. Probably sub 4K. But still, like, if it's Pro, I would deal with an extra 2 or 3 millimeters to have, like, an M.2 slot for my They actually made needs. this one slightly um, thicker. They 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 acquiesced. It's slightly well, thicker because they and put slightly the, heavier. They put the old keyboard back in. Well, this it's a scissor switch <laughs> instead of butterfly. Thank God. And it's funny because it, it, I love that they actually say the all new. It's like, no, it's not all new. It's like 80% new or 75% new because you're using the magic keyboard, which launched, what, like four or five years ago? They're using the Magic Keyboard, yes. Parts of yeah, it. And yeah. they're literally calling it Magic Keyboard, which was the product, like the marketing name for their scissor switch, low-profile, low-key travel keyboards they sold as a Mac accessory. Anyway, uh, my pick of the You're week. really helping Jim can, to get a review a question. model here. Yes. Uh, have you actually drank any of that beer out of your Star Trek mug? That's, that's gone. Oh, shaving cream. It looked like it was still Maybe full. Cream. No, it's just that's why it looked like it was a black and tan when he first got served. Ah, uh, yeah. And when I when when my wife uh, brought this down here and I saw the glass, I thought, oh, we have Guinness. This is a Guinness, and then it's just like, no, it's just a really weird. It looks like mineral residue. It's it's um, what was this like a MG? Well, I'm glad you've been drinking. Anyway, go on to your pick. Yes, uh, a YouTube channel that I discovered last night or the night before called Digital. I have to try to pronounce this. Digital stereophony. Yes, Digital stereophony? that's right. Stereophony. Yes. Sure. Okay. This channel literally just does sound comparisons between two speakers. They will have A-B comparisons with the same music going back and forth between two different loudspeakers. And they use a nice quality camera and a very good quality like field mic. And it sounds pretty damn good like put on headphones listen to these and it's very close to being in the room with it and like i use this to pick out a pair of computer speakers i've been using really shitty computer speakers for a long time I'm like no I'm, I'm gonna buy these but then i found a good deal on amazon i didn't know what they sounded like poking around online for reviews and i found a link to this channel and it's got all of the, like the the edifiers and stuff that are popular on amazon and these creative speakers i was looking at and you can't like pick what they've a B'd, but there's so many different things. You're probably going to find something that's either it has the speaker that you're interested in or, you know, some like in my case, I actually found a video that compared the two I was considering to each other, which was great. So definitely worth checking out. They have very good production value, very, very good sound quality, which is obviously important because I mean, this is, not perfect still going through youtube compression but they have any tech lensing than... reviews uh you know i don't think they have any retro stuff on here which is unfortunate not any like passive uh creative speakers that rely on like your sound blaster 2.0's uh oh nice amplifier actually yeah still, the sound blaster definitive technology stuff amplifier. you do sorry god I see, yeah, I have depth tech oh, subs and, and uh, satellites still. Oh, yeah. Check it out. YouTube channel. Cool. Speakers. 
demoing them before you buy them online is a good thing. Uh, I didn't have anything else. Anything else, guys? Before we wrap this one up? No. Gosh. Thanks for having me on the show. Appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Thanks, Brett. No worries. Seeing you stuff. again. Thank you. Uh, yeah. So we will talk to you guys uh, next week. <laughs>